Hi everybody. This episode was recorded live at DevConf 2016. We had a fantastic time connecting with friends and learning from some top quality presentations given by dominantly South African speakers. Follow us this episode as we catch up with some of the attendees, speakers and organizers throughout the day. Well, so I'm here with Theo Bonin here at DevConf 2016, the first DevConf that's actually running. Theo, uh, how are you finding it so far? It's good. Um, it's an interesting venue. It's in the talks are great. I think the best, or well, one of the very good things about the conference is Donnie. Donnie ruined the keynote. That keynote was really good. It was, and it's, it's sad to think that a lot of people might not be in a good space to receive it. Um, you know. How so? I think so when you when you just start out developing you're you're splattered with tools and technology and da 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 and this talk is so you need to understand why tools or believing in using one tool is bad before you go to a talk like this. I can understand that. So a bit like when you look at the Dreyfus model of sky acquisition, exactly. you, when you're a beginner, you need to start at the level of the tools and the practices discussion. You can't jump to expert level topics where exactly. this may have appealed more towards high, uh, more advanced topics. Exactly. It's the, it's, it's the Shuhari, Dreyfus model type thing. And this yeah. was aimed at master level um, in a lot of these things and in, in, in communication. And at the same time, I think a lot of people if you just understand that concept that Donnie mentioned about metaphors and just starting to see metaphors, I mean, I'm speaking, you listeners can't see this, but I'm speaking with my hand and I'm being very emphatic. And people can, you know, if you just pick up on those little nuances that he mentioned, I think it will make a massive difference in the dev community. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that keynote. So, apart from that, what's your favorite talk been so far that you've attended? Um... I don't have a favorite talk as yet. I'm still hoping to get one, um, apart from Donnie's. <laughs> mm. uh, I, I had a look at the SQL one. I think that was good. Or uh, Gal Shaw did things that developers should know. Um, and it was a typical developers are very bad at DB, DBs because they could just not care, but they should. Um, I was a bit disappointed with the Microsoft one. Um, I understand why he aimed it at the level he did, but... Um, was that one of the sponsor track? It wasn't. Uh, no, yes, it was. Sorry. Yes, it was one of the sponsor track ones. Okay. Um, and at the same time, I am very excited about the Azure machine learning. I, right. I, I, again, I, mean, I understand why he aimed it at the level he did, but I think machine learning is something that we all need to start looking at, and this might be an easy way for a lot of people to start with. Well, that's cool. I haven't looked at the Azure machine learning stuff, but it sounds like there's something in there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well... I hope you have a good rest of the conference. Uh, which talk are you going to go into now? Um, performance testing in Android. Sounds so, cool. Looks interesting. Yeah, cool. Thanks, cool. Kev. Thanks, Theo. Okay, Dali. What was it like doing the keynote for DevConf? Uh, this is definitely one of the nicer rooms I've ever done it in. They have, sorry, it's a very geeky thing to answer. They have a sweet little setup where you have a USB going into this little device that goes into the USB. It's this big button, and if you hit the button, you take over the screen. That's it. That's the whole tech stack for the presentation. So no need to fiddle with adapters or cables. So that was pretty sweet. Hope it's the same for the rest of us. Yeah, I, I don't know. And then the microphone situation we finally figured out is because I talk too loud. Uh-huh. So it's the system protecting itself. Oh, so that's all. Itself. So if they lower the volume fifteen percent. That's an interesting problem to have. So, um, that, that was the tech details. Uh, speaking to how many people? Are we speaking 350, to? I think. It's 450. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's when I was talking to the organizer earlier, they said it was just under 500. Wow, okay. So, speaking so assuming to, everyone was there. To speaking to X amount of you know, fellow people in this community was a great amount of fun. Um, opportunity I really enjoyed. And to talk about something that's you know, dear to my heart, which is how does 
how do we actually make meaning in this world? Because one of the things I've very lately figured out is that software development is actually about making meaning above all. So my personal challenge for this uh, keynote was I'm coming with a five-day flu session. So my energy isn't on the level where it needs to be. And having you know, all that energy in the room to work with was quite fun. I was constrained to the stage, which annoyed me because if I leave the stage, the feedback from the speakers would have been too much. Uh, and enough people wanted to play with me in the audience, which is important to me. So I had people to work with, people to have conversations with. Um, uh, some good interaction. Yes, and I think that's pretty much key to an effective, <laughs> excuse the pun, keynote is to have effective feedback from the people talking to you. The one thing that I wanted to mention, you mentioned is, what is this word keynote? Have anyone actually stopped and think about it? Because the way I model it is keynote is that key note that you set out to set the scene for the day. It's the framing note, it's the base note. So if you have a key note, and all the other talks can harmonize on the keynote, then you have a very effective conference. Yeah, musically, your keynote is the note that someone plays to get the entire band into the same key. Yes. So, likewise, in the conference scenario here, your keynote is there to get everyone in line with each other to make the overall experience greater. That is the hope where I set out to achieve. And then a little note, the concept of a closing keynote should not exist. It does not no. exist. That makes no sense now. Uh, so, and I know why we do it, right? Because we need to make people feel special. So we have an opening keynote, and then we have a midday keynote, and then we have an end of day keynote, and then we have an end of conference keynote. I was thinking it's just to get people to stay to the end. Yes. Um, so I, I'm actually, one of my things is to find a better name for that closing. So there is a good name for it, it's called Coda. So we need to have a Coda. So we have an opening keynote, and then we have a closing Coda. I should write that down. Yeah, again, yeah, musical terms. Mm. <laughs> um, and what, what's the most important takeaway from your keynote that you want people to really like old money, if you have to do it in five minutes. Five minutes. And I'll do it in one minute or 30 seconds, which is this. Humans are meaning-making machines. Once you know that, once you realize it, you can start inspecting what it is that you do to make meaning. And once you start being conscious about the meaning you make, I think that makes you a happy human being. And in this context of a whole day of learning so many things, to know how you going to choose to make this meaning is important to me. And that was the whole point of the keynote. Good stuff. Thanks. So I think the question that was on everyone's mind when you had that slide of all of your influences, mm -hmm. who is ancient Greek dude? Oh, ancient Greek dude is undefined. The best we know is, is probably Aristotle, uh, if I pronounce that correctly. He wrote The Art of Rhetoric. And I think the art of rhetoric was basically just, you know, putting together what the Greeks knew. So the ancient Greek dude is basically this, 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 this word rhetoric, which is another word that we don't quite understand. Because rhetoric is a science, and the Greeks defined it more than 2,000 years ago. There's the art of rhetoric by Aristotle, and there's also an audio series called The Art of Rhetoric by a guy called Michael Trout that I think everyone should listen to. Because he defines rhetoric or the art of having an argument as a point of agreement with a set of logical, logic, logos, ethos, pathos, three different things you would use to take somebody from a position to another position. And that is an argument. An argument isn't me shouting at you Emacs is awesome, and you're shouting back, VI is awesome. That's, that's a shouting match. It's a debate. A debate is, we agree on this. 
Now let's see where we disagree. That's a debate, right? I thought debate had the origin in war, like in battle. I wonder the etymology of the word. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. So the example, the example the, the Michael Draut guy uses is uh, pro-choice and pro-life. He thinks you know pro-abortion, pro-not-abortion, whatever that is. Um, it's by the way, it's International Women's Day today, huh. which is why this topic is on my mind. He thinks that will never be resolved because there is nothing those two groups can agree on. There's no higher source that they can appeal to. There's no like point point. where they say, at least we can agree on blah. Because any sort of statement the other group makes, they say, no, I can't. I can't agree with that. So it's an unwinnable, it's a stalemate. And it is my belief that those are rare. It's very rare where you have a stalemate like that. I think there's always a point of agreement. At least we can both agree we are human. Start there. Okay, it's been a bit vague, but what else can we agree on? And meaning making, meaning making has a lot to do with that. Meaning making has with what is the where, what's the boundary? What can we agree on? And within that, what do we disagree on? And then how do we have that interaction back and forth? And then how do we act? Go up, abstract. So at least the model that I've made for myself right now, which is wrong. But that would be useful. All models are wrong, but some are useful. Yes. There's a lot of um, Sarah May's uh, content from the Ruby Fusiki that came out in my USB as well. Okay. Because you want to do something, because you didn't even see a keynote. So it is quite interesting to find. Yeah, that's not off topic. There is something called the drama triangle that I find very useful. And then independently from those people, Virginia Satir, which another face that was up on the screen, um, defined the congruency stances, which is sort of exactly the same as a drama triangle, just from a different angle. And that's been a realization for me. If you can find the same thing being invented or discovered or extracted by different groups of people, then clearly there's something there. I think more developers should think about that too. Like what are what is being independently discovered by everyone? Because those are the things you have to pay attention to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. Yeah, that was cool. And enjoy. Is there anybody you're looking forward to seeing speaking? Two of the people I really want to see speaking are speaking at the same time, so that's annoying. Uh, I've not looked at the rest of the agenda yet. Well, yes, multi-track conferences, right? You have to choose. I, I look forward to catching up with 400 people because among them, <coughs> many, many of my friends. And I just bumped into somebody I haven't seen in two decades. Wow. So that's going to be exciting. Well, um, yeah, thanks for coming to chat with us. Let's not keep you from 400 people. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. So I'm here at DevConf 2016 with Chris Dawson. How's it going, Chris? Very good, and yourself, Kevin? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, so who are you and what do you do, Chris? I'm a software developer. I work at DVT. DVT stands for Dynamic Visual Technologies. Okay. We're a software consulting company based in Hyde Park, Joburg. Okay. With some offices around the country. We've got presence in Cape Town and East Coast as well. That's cool. Is your whole team here? Well, not the whole team, definitely not. Um, so DVT is more than 500 staff. Uh, we, we, oh, right. we, we brought six of us along um, cool. just, just to enjoy today. And one person's attending for free because she's a speaker at the conference. Excellent. Always nice to get into a conference for free. <laughs> so what's been your highlight of the conference so far? Um, yeah, it's been a really, really packed day. I mean, there's so many sessions to choose from that you, know, you really have to do, do, do careful planning to attend the talks that you really want to get value out of. I'd say my, my, my highlight actually uh, was the Android performance testing talk uh, that I just attended. Really well prepared, very slick, very informative. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that was great. Yeah, that was a very cool talk. And I see you got some Google swag from that as well. <laughs> yeah, so Rebecca, who just gave the talk, um, she just gave out Google Cardboard to, to people who asked questions after the talk, which was, which was a nice surprise. So, 
Do you do Android development regularly? Or what, what got you into the Android talk? Yeah, so definitely my, my background is, is, um, is with regard to mobile development is on the Android side. So uh, definitely wanted to have a look and see what, what performance tools are there that I'm perhaps not aware of. Um, I'm playing around with iOS at the moment, but my heart's still definitely in, still in st- Android world. Still in Android, no. Yeah, the, the Google tools seem to have really come along really nicely. I mean, just seeing what Rebecca was showing now with uh, in Android Studio, the tools are top-notch and you can get some really good insights into what your app is doing. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just um, it's mind-blowing what's out there for free. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. Google gives it, gives it to us to use and just, yeah, you, you can really, really dig in and see exactly what your app is doing. Yeah, and you can see a lot of comparisons between the Android tools and what Chrome just gives you internally as well, being another Google product. They obviously have some reuse going on in that. Yeah, I, w- I would imagine. Yeah. Cool, so since you aren't able to clone yourself into six different people for the next few tracks, uh, where are you going to next? Yeah, wow. Um, I'm interested to check out what Joshua has to say about TDD. I mean, I have attended uh, one of his talks before, which I really enjoyed. Um, he's got a, a bit of a fresh approach to, to how to do testing of, of software applications, so I'll probably, awesome. probably go there next. After that, um, sure, I haven't planned ahead uh, as much, but I'll see how it goes. I'm enjoying the, the, the software craftsman track, and I'm also just digging the tools and frameworks um, track as well. Yeah, those, those are, are pretty much the highlights for me at the moment. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference, Chris. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Happy to be here. Cool. Cheers. Okay. Record. Today's kind of good. Oh, it's Why? been recording for the last five minutes. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I started recording after we finished being funny and witty. Oh. Yeah. So now we've just got boring conversations. I'm setting it dry. <laughs> and counting tabs. One, two. So, four. Stephen, how's it? Hello. Yeah, Stephen. I have an alumni. <laughs> Actually, more than alumni. What do you call you? Founding father. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just go with co founder because it wasn't just me, it was myself, Kevin, and it was Peter. Because Kevin was, you were with us on the first episode. I was on the very first one. And then I just disappeared for 15 episodes. 14, 15. Yeah, something about work and saving the world, universe, Iron Man, something. Oh, you mean he played Counter Strike? Oh, yeah, sorry, that was Counter Strike. No, we're supposed to give my secrets away. Battlefield 4. Battlefield 4. It is between Battlefield 4 and a bit of Counter Strike. (laughs) (laughs) So, how's the conference been so far? Um. It's been awesome from from an organizational point of view, having Donnie open the keynote. Is awesome because every time I listen to Donny talk, he challenges something else that I've thought for a long time. But other than that, I've been sitting in the speaker room finalizing slides before the talk. So yeah, no, it's good. From an organizational point of view, it's been awesome. Uh, give us the the one minute rundown of what your talk was like for people that couldn't make it. So the the talk was about beautiful APIs um, and specifically designing them, um, not from a code point of view, but from a from a, a thought level point of view. So for how to, how to spot a aesthetically challenged API, how to, um, and then five rules for if you're starting out writing APIs, starting out, um, you know, these are the rules that you stick to. Once you understand why you can break those rules, break them with all, you know, with all abandon, but kind of keep to a set of design principles, because once you have those principles in place, your API almost always ends up being Beautiful. Um, yeah, that, that was about it. So the core of your talk is about those five principles. So uh, yeah, the, the the five rules and the four principles. Um, so we just looked at very quickly just how to identify a badly a badly designed API. Um, looking at it from a documentation point of view, so you immediately ask the crowd who enjoys writing documentation. And obviously, nobody puts their hands up. And who expects an API with great documentation? And everybody puts their hands up. Yeah. Well. Who's writing the documentations if developers don't want to write documentation? Um, and then, yeah, just, just talking about the, the actual rules and I'm, I'm honestly blanking on them right now due to, due to lack of sleep. But yeah, so documentation is obviously very important. Um, ease of adoption, consistency, um, flexibility and security. So those aren't in, in the order we discussed them, but you kind of, you have all of those things. You've got a good safe API to use. 
whether that's web API or whether that's a hardware API, it doesn't, doesn't matter. That's, that's what I was going to ask. Are you focusing on like HTTP APIs or library APIs? So most of the examples um, pointed to things like Moment.js, um, underscore, uh, Twitter, the Twilio API documentation. Um, but I tried to keep it at a higher level so that you could, whatever was applied here, you can apply that to a class-based library or an NPM module or a Ruby gem. I mean, if you've got consistency across stuff and security and, and everything else, it doesn't really matter about the implementation. It's that higher level of thinking. That's pretty cool. Yeah, very important. Nobody wants to write the docs. <laughs> and yet, nobody wants good docs. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's the first, and the, the other part was examples, um, examples of using the API. So, um, Reed Wanner's comment uh, from her talk at Ruby Fusa about no developer ever dying of, of you know death by too many examples, um, which I think is, is critically important because once you've used an API for a long time, you don't really care about the documentation anymore. You've used an API before, you've used a specific call, you just want to see how it was implemented. And if that example is sitting like right at the top of the page, way above the fold, Oh, it's just it's glorious working with that type of thing. Yeah, I think the Rails docs, the Rails API docs, has that kind of nicely covered, like just like swaths of examples at the top. You don't even need to drill down to the method. The exactly. definition is just further down the page. But like, okay, yeah. got it. I can carry on. Yeah, even the community stuff that I've been working with, uh, uh, the YAML examples that it has there, all of that just sits right near the top of the page in documentation. Quickly to see these are all the options available to you, and if the names are well chosen. The code can document itself if if you have good examples. Yeah. So having those good examples is key because once you've been developing for a while and you want to get get tweets from a timeline, right? You don't care about what they're telling you. You care about the implementation. I want to get this done. Let's get it done. So yeah. Take the full command and go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That that whole thing in Chrome where you can now just right click and say copy. Call command is so useful. What? So if you go to the network tab in Chrome, Fantastic. you can, yeah. any request that's happened, you can just write, you can say copy call command and it just copies that in. And it gives you a huge call command because yeah. like, so every header that Chrome used to yeah, use that request with. A lot. Oh, because the last thing I played with in the Chrome DevTools was actually just recording requests, but actually having them as call commands. Oh, that's beautiful. That's very useful. That could make setting up um, tests quite nice as well. If you want to go for bigger integration tests. Yep. And getting all the headers that are actual browsers using. Yes. So it might be the life of death if you're using MIME types to determine how to respond. Mm. Yes, yes. That is awesome. Um, the other side of it though is just the, the actual principles keep you. So once you've gotten to a point where you feel you don't need to document stuff because your code is self-documenting, and let's face it, we all think we write self-documenting code. <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you if you stick to so the four principles that I've seen come up again and again is this idea of having unity and harmony behind your API so like a shared vision everything's put together nicely it's grouped nicely it's unity and harmony balance proportion and then emphasis and if you actually look at it from a top down view right if you have like harmony in the API like the tweets works with tweets, the followers works with followers, you know, looking at the, at the Twitter API, that's a really, you know, you've got a united idea about what everything does, but that kind of leads to balance. Once you have balance, you have proportionality. Once you have proportionality, you have emphasis. Um, so if I only want to work on tweets, that's all I want to see. If I only want to work on dates, on passing dates and moment, that's all I'm going to look at. I'm just going to look at the passing functions and moment, that's it. Um, and so at a higher level, you could possibly skip documentation and still have a usable API. You could possibly skip examples if the code is self-documenting, as, as Kevin said. Yeah. Or the examples, you can skip other parts of the documentation. If your examples are... And your example can reveal the intent well enough. Yeah. So at the moment does that wonderfully because because of the, the, the fluent API type that they've got, you can chain a whole bunch of methods together and it literally just reads like English. Um, and that makes it a lot easier. And then yeah, you can skip on skimp not skip. You can skimp on the documentation, um, but just provide more examples. 
gets a bit complex when you also have to factor in the cost of abstraction, because a lot of that is MomentJS, for example, gives you an abstraction over JavaScript states API, which isn't pretty. Not but so. um, and having built a JavaScript calendar, I think I can attest to that. Mm. Uh, but there are many cases where MomentJS just by giving you the abstraction also causes a computational slowdown that might not be acceptable and you have to balance all of that out when you're setting up an API as well. Yeah, completely. So, I mean, that's that's where you're going to have to start looking at performance. Um, those are your design decisions that you have to make. Either we're going to have readable, maintainable code or the users are going to see a a few milliseconds delay while it's it's calculating things and obviously with things like big calendars that milliseconds will be multiplied um, but I mean that's that's a decision you need to live with internally it's kind of like using jQuery or not using jQuery mm-hmm. we can use jQuery because it makes it all really visible and awesome and easy to read and easy to maintain but it wraps a whole bunch of stuff in the background which could be you know there could be really expensive operations happening in the background I mean, you can identify those ad hoc later. I guess if you're aware that it might become slow, you mm. can postpone the decision for performance for later. I mean, edge mm. cases aside, we're not building real-time trading systems yeah. uh, or anything else that needs like down to like atomic clock accuracy. Mm-hmm. It's if it's 180 milliseconds or 200 milliseconds. The perceptual differences, none. Yeah. So I think that all comes down to, you know, are you going to optimize too early or are you going to optimize too late? So the idea is like first to market, let's get there first. That generally, let's, let's use moment, let's use whatever so we can get to market. Then we get to market, then we've got competition. Then your choices carry on growing your product or now go back and enhance only the things that need enhancing. Um, and I think that's where that's where the business decisions come in. You know, what it, what what's best for the project and the product as a whole. Um, obviously, I saw that the code is more important, but I'm not the person signing people's paychecks. <laughs> so. Yeah, none of us are. Um, so, any takeaways for the for the listeners about the conference? Hmm. Come next year, definitely. Or <laughs> get get tickets early before it gets sold out. Um, What's been the highlight of the conference so far for you, apart from the keynote that you've mentioned? And the awesome coffee. Thank you, being there. <laughs> being there coffee. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> and Driven for sponsoring it. Thank you. Yay, Driven. Um, Thanks, uh, Kevin. And I think the, the most interesting thing about this so far is if you go to the regular conferences, the smaller conferences, the more intimate conferences, you get there and you see the same people. Um, I bumped into somebody now that I worked with nine years ago. Like we saw each other and there was this, I think I know you, I think I know you, I do, hey, how's it going? And that's it, right? Um, I'm, I'm struggling to find the people that I know and I'm quite active in the community. And from that side, it's awesome. Um, so if you're a first time conference goer, I think this is something that's quite nice. You can kind of blend in and you don't have to worry. Like if it's a 50 person conference, and 40 people know each other. Yeah, you kind of feel left out. Uh, when you're at a, a 450-person conference and 50 people know each other, it doesn't matter. There's 400 other people milling around. Um, and there's been some really nice conversations that I've kind of just listened in on. didn't really contribute to anything, but I took stuff away from it. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I'm pretty sure there will be a DevConf next year again. Uh, I can't see them not doing it, judging by how today's going. So, yeah, definitely, definitely make it next year if you can't make it this year. Cool. Yeah, but if you didn't, and one one closing question then: Who would you like to see on the podcast or hear on the podcast? Mm. Are we talking local or international? Local, I think. Local. I would like to hear Yanku Volmerons having his discussion with Len Weinsier about value. What is value? So. My understanding is Yanku's definition of value and Len's definition of value are polar opposites. So there's a Mr. Volmerans, 
You better be listening. <laughs> You've been <laughs> challenged. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. No, I'd, I'd love to hear. I'd, I, I really enjoy listening to Yanku talk and the way he thinks through things. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting hearing the, the, the polar opposites. Yeah. Yeah, we'll catch up with Yanku somewhere today as well. He does the final talk for today, so he'll probably be in the speaker's lounge most of the day finalizing his talk. <laughs> so I think if you're willing to stay after hours, I'm sure Yanku will be more than happy to chat to you. Cool. cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks Stephen. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Cool. Thanks. Cool. So we're here with Mark, Terence, and Rob. You should know Rob from episode 23 when we spoke to him about DevConf. So this whole episode we're recording at DevConf. So to you guys, Rob, maybe you can start us off. How have things gone today? You don't look like you're in a panic attack at the moment, so I hope it means it's going well. Yeah, hi Kevin. Um, it's gone fantastically today. It's, it's been such a tremendous event. We've had almost 500 people here, uh, 50 speakers, a, a whole load of sponsors, mm. and it really has been just such positive feedback from everyone. We've heard Every story from people finding potential employment to uh, skilling up and learning and really at the end of this just what we ultimately always wanted, which is starting these conversations that don't get started in any other option. Yeah, starting conversations that can enable people to make new headway in their careers or whatever else it may be. Yeah, definitely. Any highlights so far? Yeah. About like anything specific, at some point that what's been. I think I, I definitely want to say a big thanks to three of our speakers uh, who I, we've definitely highlighted as because uh, they're all international speakers. You know, we've had uh, Tugberg who's flown out from the UK, uh, Andreas who flew out from Austria, and Willie Peter who's flown out from Canada. And so you know, spending fifteen hours on a plane to come speak here is, is fantastic. More than that, though, looking at some of these talks today, we had like Chris Tite's talk this morning. You couldn't get anyone else in that room. It was packed. People were sitting on the floor. I tried to sneak in to get a photo, and I had to stand like behind the doorway in the passage trying to get a photo of it. Such the the passion for for these talks and the demand for them, and especially the local experts, the guys who've proven themselves through community nights, Dev UG, speaking on Z8 Dev Chat. They are the guys that are getting the crowds. They're the guys that are uh, pulling the audiences. And I think we're seeing that sort of investment and skilling up that they've done in the past really paying off. You know, the, the other thing, like I think about Chris's talk and a lot of the speaker sessions, and this, this is why having conferences owned by the community is so important, mm-hmm. is you know it's legitimate. So you, you know that they're coming from a place of experience, that they're not trying to sell you something, but they're actually trying to share real experiences, real learnings. Um, and that's, what's a, that's exciting to me, because I think when a community has that in it, like it can move forward. Um, and we have a responsibility, like all of us here are experienced developers, We've been writing software for a number of years. We don't want other people to, to have the same five years or same 10 years experience that we have. We want them to condense that so that we can move forward as an industry um, and not just keep repeating the same mistakes. And that's why having a conference in South Africa like this is so important because it's for the community by the community, not some other motive. Yeah, I think that's so important that it's, it's not owned by a vendor. It's not, uh, we're not hearing just about the new tech coming from company X, Y, or Z, uh, but it's genuine experiences, as you say, coming from people who have been in the trenches with these tools uh, or people who are building these tools because they found a, uh, found a need when they're in the trenches. So it's been really great seeing some of the battle stories that have come out of this uh, and seeing what just the, the the content that's been coming out of all of these t- talks so far. So kudos to you guys for selecting these these talks. Very, very good job. Thank pick, you. Pick, picking who's who's doing what. Kenneth, I know we still want to hear your talk a bit later. So looking forward to we, that. We let Kenneth talk. 
Oh, I don't know that. Sorry. <laughs> we might need to change our gender quickly. <laughs> Wait a minute. Somebody misspelled my surname there. Just left to sort that out. Just commit to pics. <laughs> the judge of men. Yeah. But yeah, Simon stood the same thing which I talked about earlier, that condensing the experience down. Yeah. Yet so many people that stuck with 10 years with experience, but it's 10 times the same year over yeah. and over again. And how important these kind of events are to, to get them going. So, so if I go, like if I look back to my own career, um, for the first seven or eight years of my life as a professional developer, I was the best developer in the world. And it wasn't until I went to... It's because you didn't know anyone else. <laughs> exactly. No, but it wasn't until I went to TechEd that I was like, oh, wow, I am way below average. <laughs> like, and it, it, it was sitting in some sessions and going, sure, I've never heard about this. This is amazing. And that prompted me to get involved in the community because it almost created this thirst. And I, I think conferences is the platform to do that. The model isn't, I think the model for most people is actually go to your first conference, have an experience, you, you have a bit of humble pie, and then that sparks this desire to, to find out more beyond the bounds of your normal work hours. And that, that, that for me is like a void that conferences like DevConf should be filling. It's to inspire people to something better. So that like, makes me think of one of the reasons why we did this in the first place was to reach some of those people who just you know in the office all day and never get out and for me what was really amazing was walking through the crowd today and going there's a lot of faces that I recognize but there's a whole lot more faces that I've never seen before yeah that was really great yeah just going back to the conference the the first conference I went to was TechEd in 2009 and I had a very similar experience to you Mark where uh, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm finally grokking this whole programming thing. Yes. I'm actually quite okay at this. Uh, and then I went and sat and bought this Mets talk and, uh, about dynamic languages on the human <laughs> language runtime. And um, yeah, I don't know if my brain's ever recovered from that. I think Chernobyl erupted <laughs> all over again. Uh, listen, I, I don't think I'm ever going to get to the point where I can sit and bought this Mets talk and not feel like the dumbest person in the world. <laughs> That's a hard bar there to set for yourself. I, I remember sitting in Bart, Bart's session and going, <laughs> I have no idea what he's talking about, but I have this overwhelming urge to stand up and applaud. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you knew it was cool, you knew you wanted to understand it, you knew it was amazing, but you couldn't grok it. <laughs> Just for perspective though, this is the guy who writes a, a link provider to solve Sudoku just on the plane while he's on his way to South Of course, because that's what you do when you're bored. So it, it's really great that we have the, that caliber of, well, those caliber of speakers available locally. Though. I mean, the, the keynote this morning that Donnie gave was fantastic. And we have some of the international speakers out who are also recognized experts in, in their respective fields. I hope that we see that this conference will inspire developers who have come here out of their offices who perhaps have, perhaps this is the first conference and I think for a lot of attendees this is the first conference that they've been to in, in this format at least. So, and hopefully we'll see them, well, we'll see a bit of a light ignited in that that will then carry forward. Perhaps yeah. some of them will be speaking at the next, next year's DevConf. So, so this was the advice we were given by a lot of people who had done other conferences prior to DevConf. And they all said the formula is you get a big international keynote speaker that everybody knows and all your problems will be sorted from there because that will sell all the tickets. And, and we were torn by this because we're going, well, if DevConf is a conference for local developers, what does it say if we have to go and get international talent to try and attract the crowds? And I don't think anybody really knew who the keynote speaker was initially. Like, it was a really well-kept secret. He nailed it. He did an absolutely amazing keynote address. But it proved that that formula is wrong, that people are coming to these things not just for a big name, but for local developers. And that, and that is exciting. That, that just proves that 
we we have a message to to share and that people are willing to pay to hear that. Yeah, I I only found out this morning that it was Danny that was keynoting. So, uh, well done. <laughs> Giving that second. Yeah, yeah, well done for not letting anybody know about keynoting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think to, to further Mark's point, if we look at how our ticket sales went as a, a really good metric on this of just, we sold a bunch of individual sort of tickets early on um, when we opened up early birds and stuff. And I think that was largely to people who know us and mm-hmm. have some trust in us and our friends and so on. And contact through de- developer UG. Contact through developer UG and we've seen that sort of experience in the past. When we started announcing our local speakers that are going to be in the sessions, then the corporates came in. Then we started doing the 20 person, 30 person bulk bookings. That's, it. as Mark says, it wasn't the international speakers, it wasn't the big name at the keynote, it was, there's a Chris Tite, you know, there's a Tim Lewis, these are the guys representing, these are the ones we want to be engaging with and talking with, and they pulled the crowds for us. Yeah. And you can see that just the way the ticket sales went and how that aligned so beautifully to the announcement of our speakers. Also for me, I don't know, it's, it wasn't really so much about the names, but the, the topics that they were talking about were relevant to the, what we wanted to hear. And that makes a huge difference when you're looking at it from a corporate point of view. These are the things that make sense to us, work for us, let's go to this conference. Yep. So if I may, behind the scenes, front of it, how many CFPs did you guys get? In the end, we got 160 talks from submitted. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to recover from having to go through 160 talks. Um, more, more horribly is actually having to reject so many amazing speakers. That 110 was, people. Is. Sorry, Kevin. <coughs> sorry, Kevin. Um, I, I went home that Saturday night off. We'd picked everything and sent out all the, I'm sorry, you didn't make it emails. And it was, it was agonizing. It, it is people I look up to and I'm like, sorry, you can't be in conference I, was like, I just felt horrible I had to keep doing like a couple good ones to get myself like you're in the conference and then a couple bad ones so I could be like okay no, no, no. just to get through it it was uh, yeah the, the, it was overwhelming how the community stepped up and submitted talks and it the levels and depth and knowledge and variety we got we have said we could have done this as a five day event if we took everybody it and maybe we should have <laughs> I don't know if we've got the energy <laughs> to think about this in my day, mate. Not going to happen. <laughs> but uh, it definitely was, you know, we had so much content. It was amazing. And just seeing that many amazing speakers. Uh, uh, and when we were going through the final review of the CFPs, it was a, a tough day uh, because we're all kind of advocating for specific speakers, for specific talks. We're trying to get a flow so that we can see, well, if somebody's coming to the event, what would somebody with very little experience want to go to? What would somebody with deep experience in certain areas want to go through? And we basically sitting with these cards and fighting and arguing and uh, bribing and doing whatever <laughs> we could to get talks in certain places. Creating um, new tracks. Yes, creating new tracks. Gymnastics. If only we had more money. If only the venue was bigger. <laughs> so it was interesting. It was an interesting experience. And as you added more tracks, did you also increase the attendee count? No. So, so it was set at four, about 450. We, we, we started off going, we believe there is a, a market for 350 people. And we, we think it should, we'll fill that. We'll, we'll do well there. Uh, we'll have a bit of capacity, we'll pick a venue that can cope with that and have a little overflow. And we're at just short of 500 people today <laughs> with, with many, many people who have not gotten in. Um, we've had to say sorry to so many people on our waiting list. We have people pre asking us to pre-register for 2017 already because they're, they couldn't get in today. Um, the, demand is, the demand for this in the corporate space, in the developer community uh, is so much bigger than I ever expected. So I, I, I remember we met with a couple of companies that had shown interest in sponsoring DevConf and the first one that stands out to me was BB&D where in our proposal we had said we are targeting 350 developers and, and one of the questions they asked they said do you think that you'll be able to f- 
get 350 people to attend this. And we had spoken about this before and said, think we could do 350, probably more 300, but we'll say 350. Um, and we kind of came out of it going, wow, because they said, okay, we're in. And the second they said we're in, we were now committed, like, this is going to happen. And they were like, do we think we can get 350? <laughs> and every, every, every evening I would log into the website because Terence had put a link with the countdown and it'd be like, okay, four more tickets sold. <laughs> that's like 346 left. Like, and then I'd phone Rob and he's like, oh, yeah, I just bought two tickets to test the site. I'm like, no, Rob. <laughs> uh, but, we, but there is a demand for this. Not necessarily DevConf. Maybe, maybe we didn't get the formula right for DevConf. We don't know. We'll find that out next year. But what we did realize was that there is a need in the community for a larger conference and, and that people are willing to come out of their day and spend time there, that this is something that developers need. And, and that's nice because I think we've all been feeling that for a, a number of years and saying we're missing a big conference. We love these small, uh, smaller conferences because there's a different feel to them, but we also miss like that big conference that everybody goes to. Um, and I think that was the motivation for DevConf. We weren't going to do 50 people the first year and then 100 the next year, whatever. We had to do it with a sizable attendance initially. Any funny behind the steam stories? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> no one really picked up on our geeky numbers. Yeah. Yeah, we, we tried to do all our discounts and voucher codes were always like, you know, base two, base yeah, two no, numbers. I, I saw all of those. Oh, the 256 rank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like a nice one. And you didn't get this one, but the rejected speakers got a uh, discount to 1,024 rank. Yeah. <laughs> except, except what I found out was when you send a rejection email, if, if you're going to say you've been, like, unfortunately you talk, your talk didn't make it, but, like, we'd still like you to attend, and we've given you this radically reduced rate. Most people open the email and they go, unfortunately, your talk wasn't accepted. Oh, crap, delete. And they don't read the second part. So I was speaking to people like, yeah, I need to buy a ticket. I'm like, but why haven't you bought the special, like, discount for the CFB proposal? And like, there is one. <laughs> so make sure you get the email formats right. That always helps. Stop the good news. <laughs> yeah. Your ticket has been reduced <laughs> to 1,024 rand. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> that might work. Oh, that's a good uh, lesson for next year. No, I mean, no real disasters here today. We're nearly at the end. Yeah. Things are ticking over smoothly. Everybody's walking around with smiles on their faces. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been quite a successful day. Yeah. Been watching on Twitter all day. We we managed to trend for Joburg for what that's worth, and uh, I've just been following that and seeing the sentiment has just been so positive. The stuff that's coming out of attendees about the speakers and what they've learned is just. I I feel terrible. I have not been in a session all day. I I feel like I've missed out. <laughs> it's terrible. I somehow need to next year plan this better so I can go to session. Somebody else can work. It's a curse of organisation. So just. Out of interest then, are the sessions recorded? Will they be available on YouTube? So un unfortunately not for this year, um, but definitely it's our plan for 2017 to do recordings of the sessions and, okay. and get them there. And we, not just for our benefit, I think for conferences you very useful to have that long tail, to have that thing where it's it, inspiring people who wouldn't necessarily come to it. Um, and also for the people who leave the conference and want to share with their team and so on. I think there's value there. I think for us, particularly in South Africa, our speakers are some of the best in the world. There's no doubt about that. Problem is we're terrible at advertising and we have no way to get up on that international stage without having, here is where I've spoken at these other events, here are the video recordings of me. And we want to make sure that when we do that, we do that properly, that what we are creating is such high quality that they're getting accepted into NDC or into uh, Agile conferences in the US or whatever the, the, the case be uh, because we really don't want to give the sort of impression that this is some tiny backwater place and we're kind of backwater developers because you go and see what these guys are talking about. No one's talking about small stuff here anymore. Uh, it's, it's serious topics today. Yeah. 
I've enjoyed the sessions I've been into. It's been great. So I, I see it as iteration one. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that we're going to change next time because there's a lot of learnings that we've gained from this. It by all means wasn't a perfect conference. Like I think uh, everybody I spoke to had an enjoyable time. But as organizers, there are things that we will tweak based on the feedback for next year to make it even better. And um, I think getting uh, the right size and kind of figuring out what we can improve as well is probably the next thing once we've recovered from uh, lack of sleep and tired fingers from writing emails at all hours of the day. Well, yeah, you've got 11 months off now. <laughs> oh no, I wish. Uh, I think we start planning in probably a month for the next one. Um, we're getting a lot of pressure to run this in Cape Town and Durban this year as well, which at this point I'm like, are you mad? Um, so maybe, maybe, we'll, <laughs> maybe if I feel like a bit better after some sleep and everything, maybe we'll start talking about doing that as well. But uh, definitely, I think we don't want to leave this. We kind of started only planning October for this. It's now March. I find that felt a bit rushed for us, and I, I want to do something a bit better than that. So we're definitely going to start planning uh, a lot sooner. We're going to yeah. be planning this year very early, um, and making sure that we've got our 2017 event and, and planned and scheduled. We even have a tentative date. Mm. Cool. Oh, well, I suppose planning is indispensable. Plans are useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll no, change no. it in the last <laughs> month. We'll change it. No plans. It's like everybody has been sitting outside tweaking their slides. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> oh, don't worry. So it's the same as us. We were tweaking our slides this morning for the keynote, adding new content, writing it. <laughs> <laughs> no plan survives first contact with the enemy. <laughs> yep. Cool, guys. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for organizing the room for us to record in. Thanks for the great content that we've been exposed to today. It's been really fantastic. Thanks for the sleepless nights we didn't need to have. <laughs> also, yeah. next time we'll find you a fishbowl, everyone can watch you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll love the expert enter. <laughs> like, lowered from the ceiling, so it's in the air. So <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> I, I think we'll keep, that, that might get a bit weird now. <laughs> That's a sleep deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my way, we're talking such nonsense. <laughs> you can see it's the end of the day. <sighs> yeah, the wheels are coming off. Yeah. Cool, well, yeah. thanks we a lot. We have, I guess, one more session left after this. Yeah. Second night, those ones should have just started. My talks are 40 minutes. I need to stay close to that room. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, thanks guys. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank, Thank you, guys. Cheers.